0: Brian's the one-man band back there today, so uh, thank you, Brian. All right, so at this time, we're about to have our sermon for today, brought to us by Barnabas Grayson, and it is entitled, Give Diligence. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our guests this afternoon. I've met a couple of you. It's good to see you here. And uh, David said I would probably bring some thunder up here. But uh, if I disappoint you, (laughs) maybe it'll be from the word of God that we will look at today. I have some handouts that I usually give to uh, outline the uh, sermon And the title of the sermon is Give give Diligence to Your Calling. Do we have a calling? Do you think you have a calling? What is it to? So as those uh, handouts are being passed out, you know, now and then we face spiritual battles. It may involve fear. It may involve pain. It may involve disappointment or anger. you, You name it. And sometimes these trials can discourage us, they can uh, make us weak, make us unhappy, because they are strong against against us. And it's such that some of us may think, well, think about, you know, throwing in the towel, giving up, walking away from it, and so on. But we are called to give diligence to our calling. So, We're called to be steadfast in the faith and to fight the good fight of faith. So how do we do that? So what are those things that will help us in this this, uh, fight that we have? Sometimes we think it's an easy road, but you know Christ said in this life you're going to have tribulation. And that he has given us words of encouragement to help us through whatever trouble, whatever trial we might have and i know that there are many in here who are undergoing various trials of various uh, at various uh, levels so that's why we should pray for one another now a long time ago in in junior high i entered a couple of boxing tournaments not that i really wanted to but my friends and my cousins they were all boxers and they were winning trophies, and they were getting these jackets of the tournament that they, that they boxed in, so I decided to give it a try, so I trained and entered my first boxing tournament. Now, this was way back when I was much younger and much more foolish than I am now, <laughs> but this back in the 50s, back in the 60s, so I was just a y- young little guy, but in our town, there were these uh, boxing tournaments, and they were called smokers boxers from all over the, the area around you follow would enter from lightweights to heavyweights and there were two different classes, novice and uh, open classes. I was a lightweight and I entered as a novice. that's where, that's where you begin. So <coughs> there were kids and there were young adults that took part and there were scores of fight each night, uh, what you know what they call the card and so there was a big, Long list of young, young ones, all the way up, uh, up to the adults. So this event was held in the armory, the armory, and uh, they were called smokers because I think it was because of the haze of smoke that hovered over that uh, that um, ring there. Now a lot of images flashed through my w- mind as I was thinking about uh, the this, the smokers and the time that I entered. Uh, these tournaments. So, in those days, you know, the training was like skipping rope, <coughs> punching the bag, and uh, doing uh, strength, uh, uh, you know, what I call it? Bag hangs from the speed bag. Yes, speed bag. And I was slow. But, we had to get in conditioning. We had to run steps. And I remember the coach's constant instruction. I can remember it to this day. I can hear him today. He, he, he would say, his name was Dave, he would say to all the boxers, jab, jab, jab. Move in, move in, move in. So I, I hear those words. But, and I was getting in shape, I think. But when the night of the fight came, I remember the dressing room down the hall uh, from the boxing ring, there were a lot of people that sat in the bleachers there, and but I got to put on these uh, silk uh, boxing trunks. They had they were marooned. They had this white stripe down the side, and 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 uh, then they gave us a, uh, a maroon robe with the white trims and all that, and the belt to you know wrap it all up. And the uh, trainer, the coach, he would I remember him wrapping my wrists, you know, w- with the tape. So he tied on my gloves, and the more he did those things to me, I began to think, do I really want to do this? <laughs> so he left the room, and he said to us, relax. <laughs> there were three or four of us waiting our turn, and we got to talking. and One of the boys talked himself out of it, <laughs> and I thought this didn't sound good. It doesn't look good. And I thought, well, what am I doing here? So I thought about it. Also, we could both walk out. And, you know, misery loves uh, company. So. But I stayed on. I was ready. I was scared but ready. And I crossed over. I remember crossing over those ropes, you know. The, uh, uh, whoever it was would lift the rope up. And I crossed over. And there I was, all these people around watching to witness some great fight. So the referee had us come to the center of the ring and uh, gave us all uh, you know, the do's and don'ts and things of that sort. And, and the fight was three rounds. And so I heard my corner guys, once I got into the, into the boxing match itself, I could hear the instructions, jab, jab, jab. Move in, move in, move in. If I had listened, I might have won the fight. I had my opponent stunned, but he recovered because I didn't follow through the instructions. So I lost my first fight at that young age um, by a split decision. And I give the excuse that, well, he was a little older than me, he was taller than me, and he had every advantage. But I think I could have won, but I didn't. So I went back to training, but still, my heart was not in it as it was at first, not really in it. But that same year, I entered a tournament in Henrietta, and my opponent could really punch. I think he had horseshoes in his gloves. (laughs) Again, I lost by split decision, and my eyes were blurry afterwards. I was just like a fog hanging over my eyes. But I had given it a try. But still, no trophies or you know jackets and moving up and rank, but I began to wise up. Boxing just was not my calling at that young age, and so I bowed out, and I left the ring, (laughs) so to speak. So my heart was not in this particular sport. So what was learned from this little experience that still sticks in my mind to this day? How could I use it in this message this afternoon? It's just that you have to have heart. And you have to apply diligence to something that we think is worth, a worthwhile thing to do. And not give up, but see it through. And you've got to be smart. There are some things that you really don't need to do. <laughs> and I learned that. And so, in our Christian life, Jesus said, it's not going to be easy. So what are we called to do? In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1... Well, there is one verse that I need to uh, go through first. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. In Psalm 55, one through eight. Somewhere I have that written down. Maybe I left it at home, but so I'll just go to the uh, Psalms here. Might let my fingers do the walking. Psalm Psalm fifty five. <laughs> All righty. Sometimes, you know, when we have a trouble or a trial come into our life. You know, we go to the Psalms to help boost us, to help uh, point us in in the right direction because these Psalms are written by those who have experienced the very same things that we experience from time to time. And in Psalm 55, David is complaining and he says, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint, and make a noise, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me, my heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me, fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove, for then I would, would I fly away and be at rest. Is that sometimes a feeling that we would you know, have in our, in our uh, trials and our troubles, that we would just like to fly off and, and go to some place and rest? Lo, then I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. See, Selah, think on, think on this. I would hasten, verse 8, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. tempest. And so, you know, our trials can be like that. David and I had uh, similar uh, titles, the word uh, faithfulness, the word faith. And last week we were talking about, since we, he, he was going to uh, do the sermon, and I was going to do the sermon, and we were thinking about, well, what, uh, what subjects are we going to talk about? We don't usually do that Uh, because always usually a surprise, and so I told David, I said, I think I might do something on Thanksgiving, and he said uh, he was thinking the same thing. So, um, anyway, uh, about midweek, I had, you know, I had uh, some kind of a little thing troubling me, and so I decided I'd change my message, and uh, So, I came up with this about giving diligence to the calling that we have. Because, you know, sometimes there are times when you just don't feel up to doing something. And so, I prayed about it. And then when I came to the services this morning, uh, David had his title uh, with uh, faithfulness in it. So, I thought, well... He didn't go with thanksgiving, I didn't go with thanksgiving, but we decided mutually, without knowing one another's message, that it would be, consist of faithfulness. So, what are we called to do in this uh, having diligence to faith? In 1 Corinthians 9 we we're called to have fellowship with Christ. You know, we don't see Christ walking around in here or outside, but Christ is in each and every one of us. So the Holy Spirit helps us to recognize one another. We recognize Christ in each other's life. In 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it says, that God is faithful by whom you recalled unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord so somehow some way the father looked down and he saw you he saw me he saw other he sees others and he looks at each and every one of them and he says i think this person may be ready for a calling you know it says that many are called but few are chosen so this calling that we have is to have fellowship with christ and also to uh, have that same diligence to uh, faithfulness, that same diligence toward, uh, you know, as it is in, in, in boxing or something, you, you train for, for, your, uh, for your interest. So we know that life as a Christian can be a struggle, and sometimes it's harder for, uh, on others than, than it is us. But throughout life, we deal with all sorts of trials And temptations, I know that I have, and I know that many of you have, some to the nth degree. So in our profession of faith as Christians and as church-going people, we're often reminded of these words that the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 6.12, Paul said to Timothy, Fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life whereunto you were called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses so we are to have fellowship with Christ we are to give diligence to to that calling and to fight the good fight of faith and to lay hold on eternal life and sometimes that hole can slip due to some trial that wants to turn us away from faithfulness. But we're, these two things we are reminded to do, to fight the good fight of faith and to lay hold on eternal life. 1 Corinthians 9 says, Know you not that they which run in a race run all. Oh, they give everything they got. But only one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. You know, there are certain things you don't do if you're training for, say, like what I uh, talked about was boxing. There are certain, at, at a young age, at least at that age, you know, you, you learn that there are certain vices that you don't do. You don't smoke, you don't drink. You don't stay out late. Run that you may obtain, and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, you know, the boxing jacket or the trophy, but we, an incorruptible crown. So we're called a fellowship with Christ, fellowship with one another, and to lay hold on eternal life so that we may obtain that incorruptible crown. That's our calling. So how are we doing? What are we called to fight for? Are we called to fight for the right thing? Is it pride that we're fighting for because you want to be somebody? Is it your freedom? Is it your politics? Is it your peace of mind? Is it your riches, your beliefs? Is it your work, your career, or some other Aspiration that is calling you to fight for, to scrap and fight for. When you look, when you look at the definition for fight, that's what, it's, what it is. It's about a battle. It's about scrapping. <coughs> so in these verses of 1 Timothy, we see that Paul is addressing Timothy, that the road ahead in the ministry... And profession of faith will be one of challenges and trials. Trials to his faith <coughs> in which he's told to really put up a good fight of, of faith. But is Paul just addressing Timothy and, and his uh, vocation as, as a minister of Jesus Christ? No, because the same thing that Paul is telling Timothy to do is to pass on those words about fighting the good fight of faith that is in Jesus Christ. So this is a faith that we are called to that leads to everlasting life. And that faith will you know, will vacillate sometimes. It will vacillate into other areas, things that can take you off course if, if it doesn't fit the word of God. But sometimes, in spite of all our spiritual training, church-going, words of encouragement and prayers we do enter trials, and we're called upon to enter the ring and do the best we can, putting what we have learned to see, uh, putting, you know, the things, our training of our mind, our spiritual mind, to see us through. And So in this fight of faith, we draw upon our beliefs and experiences because Jesus said, that in this life you shall have tribulation. And many of us are undergoing that in in some way. Trials and troubles, Christians have them. And when we choose to enter the fight, we have to be ready, we have to be willing, we have to have diligence. And our heart must be in the calling. In Luke chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Speaking about the cost or the monetary uh, sacrifice that it's going to take to build that tower, we apply it to the stuff that we have. Do we have the right stuff? We evaluate it. Do we have the diligence? Less happily, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him. So you might have a good start. might be really gung-ho. And then somewhere along the line, all that diligence begins to fade. You skip the training, the spiritual training, the the drawing upon the words of Scripture. So Jesus is telling us that in order to follow him, it must involve planning and sacrifice, counting the cost of the project, so to speak, and the wherewithal to see it through. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Going back to the story that I uh, related earlier, counting the cost, I didn't know the words of Scripture then, but I can look back and see where I did not count the cost. And I used to go to these boxing matches and really admire the boxers in there, and especially their, their uh, the things that they put on, the silk robes and things of that sort. So there's a lot of things that draw you in to making a sacrifice and be willing to count the cost. Now, Jesus used another illustration. He said, or what king going to make war against another king sits not down first and consults whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000. So you're a king and you're facing this enemy. And you only have 10,000 on your side, and there's 20,000 on that side. You know, you've got to have a little bit of wisdom. You've got to see how big the, the uh, trial is going to be. Or else, while the other is yet a great way far off, the, the army hasn't advanced uh, his way yet, he sends an ambassador and desires condition of peace. Somewhere out in the middle, you know, uh, meeting the enemy. So the king must be willing to sacrifice a victory if he can see that he's not able to win. So where the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the, uh, that we gain from the scriptures has to be applied. And this is, which, uh, in counting the cost, you realize that you give up everything to follow Jesus. Because, as Jesus said, he's giving us an important calling that is the most important thing in life, the most important thing on this earth, apart from any other glory or any other pursuit that you might want to have in this life. So likewise, verse 33, whoever he be of you, and he's talking to his disciples, whoever it be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. And he said, salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor wherewith shall it be seasoned? We talk about people that enter the, enter the sports world in competition and they're really good at the beginning and then they begin to fade. They're not as salty as they once were. I used to think I was salty but <clears throat> in a way I guess I am because I licked my hand the other day and there was a little bit of salt. <laughs> There's just no way to make it salty again, and it's thrown out. has no more value. And so, you know, you see all these athletes that come and go. But we have an incorruptible crown that we have been called to. But this salt that has not, is, that's not good anymore, it's neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men... Cast it out. He that hears, to hear, let him hear. So as we think about our life, we've got to stay salty. We've got to stay looking at the word of God, doing those things that he wills us to do. So the things that have led us to come to believe in Christ Jesus and his teachings, you know, remember he gave us a first love and a willingness to just give up our worldly desires for this crown of glory that is in Christ Jesus as his disciples. Sometimes, somewhere along the line, we lose that first love, as it says over in Revelation. So are we now engaged, still engaged in a good fight of faith? What's on our mind? What is testing us at this moment in time as we go along? Now, as we know, in any fight or any battle, there is the risk of losing or surrendering. But when things look bleak and we look like we're on the losing side, we're not to give in. We're just to do the best we can. But no trial, as we have read before in Scripture, no trial or test of faith, of course, is just not joyful. And it's hard to smile. It's hard to be happy when, uh, and carry on when things are not going your way and, you, and keep, you, uh, keep focused on the task at hand. I've been there. We all have been there. But what is the purpose, again, in our Christian calling? Is it not to fight against our carnal nature? In Romans chapter 8... It says in verse 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're paying attention to all your carnal desires, you're not uh, applying yourself to the spiritual. Verse 9, talking to the disciples, talking to each one of us who, in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Over in Galatians five seventeen, you might have to write that down if you want to include this, but it says there, the lust, the flesh, lust against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and so you have this this struggle, this this battle, this fight, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would do. So we're in Galatians five seventeen, but to the next scripture, verse ten, <clears throat> if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. How do we know that we are not in the flesh? Well, there's always that little pinch test, you know, you can pinch your skin and, you know, but we are assured, first John three four, it says this, in verse First John three twenty-four. It says, He that keeps his commandments dwells in him, and he in him. And hereby know we that he abides in us by the Spirit which he has given us. Do we keep the commandments? Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes we don't. But God is merciful, He knows. He knows that we're but human. Subject to, you know, falling down, but you know, expects us to get back up. Just like in a in a boxing ring. If you want to continue to fight, you know, you you get up, you get off the canvas, you get the referee looks at you in your eyes. But I never did hit the canvas, but I did make a try for the ropes. (laughs) There in the corner. I almost got cornered and I remember just ducking because I was shorter. I I just ducked and and went around him. So hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. 1 John 4.13 Therefore brethren, verse 12 we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh but we're debtors to Jesus Christ who gave his life that we might live you know a debtor is someone who owes something and we think about the ransom that Jesus paid for you and me so the father called us he led us to his son and he gave his life so that our sins are forgiven and replaced by his righteousness his righteousness that is in us but if we live verse 13 but if we live after the flesh you shall die So there's a risk of losing there if we continue to live after the flesh. But if you, through the Spirit, you can't do it on your own. You've got to have Jesus Christ. You've got to have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we have to be led by the Spirit of God. Drop down to verse 17. And if children, then heirs, you know what an heir is. An heir stands to inherit something. If if children, then heirs, heirs of God, the richest person in the universe, he controls everything that we see, the moon, the stars, the sun the whole universe, the earth. We're heirs, for it says, you know, the meek shall inherit the earth. We're joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So any time that we suffer, any time we go through a trial, it's going to hurt, it's going to cause us pain, it's going to cause us sorrow. But Christ is leading us to an incorruptible crown. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, in his ministry, Paul Paul said this. He said, and we can identify with this, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. So he had this, this, this fight that he had to replace that trouble and not be, uh, be uh, let it distressing. He said in verse 9, Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. We may know some who are persecuted, but not forsaken or cast down but not destroyed. If you have the Spirit of God, these things, the Spirit will help you to fight against those things. And you know, in today's society, there are so many children who are homeless. Children who aren't getting enough to eat because they're parents. And we've read some horrible stories about, we know about some horrible stories about how parents mistreat and abuse their children. And it's, it's sad in many ways. If only they knew the Holy Spirit. Back in 1 Corinthians 4 and I, remember he said, Paul talking about the ministry, he said, I think that God has set forth us, the apostles' last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. So the Apostle Paul had his troubles. He had his discouragements. He had his troubles and his trials. And I believe that we are all called to minister the gospel in some way to one another and to others as we are led by the Holy Spirit. But there are certain roles that call for uh, extra responsibility. So at times, we know that in Paul's ministry, Uh, It seemed too much for him at times to bear the physical and the spiritual demands that uh, he had to have to oversee the body he was entrusted with. But he remembered the mercy that was shown him, which enabled him to keep on fighting because he had sins that that, uh, Jesus forgave him of and gave him a commission. So Paul had these feelings of despair, which, you know, things are true in every Christian. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul's saying, verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We don't lose heart. We keep at it. So there was no give up in Paul and the apostles, before him. There was no give up. And that was the mindset of Paul. And it should be the mindset. Of every Christian. It's our mindset. But sometimes you know. It goes off track. Because of, uh, of the situations in the world. So in spite of his past. And persecuting the church. He was called to bring the message of salvation. By looking to Jesus. Who said, who said was the author and finisher. Of our faith. Hebrews 12. Verse 1. This kind of reminds me of. That first time that I was in, in, in the ring. And I'm trying to make some connections here. With these scriptures. That. And I was just a little. Wherefore seeing. We also are compassed about. With so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. We want to be ready. We want to be prepared. We want to remember the instructions that our coach has given us. Lay aside, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So we have a race that is set before us, a course that we, that we have to go on in this life. How? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith before the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So our Savior is there. He hears our prayers. He makes intercession for us. He is our advocate. Verse 3, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So in our fight, in this calling, we're not not to lose heart. But how do we battle against uh, the odds and also the unknown? Jesus tells us how. In Luke chapter 18, he spoke a parable unto his disciples to this end, to this purpose. He said that men ought always to pray and not faint nor give up. Not give up in prayer, which we know is happens to be the success to every day. Jesus is our strength for success. He is our uh, strength for accomplishment. For we, through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, helps us toward winning out and never giving up. Uh, We may lose heart at times, and I know I have, but it's only through believing prayer that we are lifted out of whatever despair we might have. History books may remind us of what Winston Churchill once said. There's a plaque there in, in you follow. I don't know if it's still there yet, but it's, it said, Never, 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 never give up. So he said, success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. This is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to conventions, convictions of honor and good sense. You know, those words, stared a, a nation, to not wanting to give up. And so when we have trials in our life, let us remember that we're to not let our heart grow weary or faint. Now Mary Todd Lincoln once said, Clouds and darkness surround us, yet heaven is just, and the day of triumph will surely come when justice and truth will be vindicated. Our wrongs will be made right, and we will once more Taste the blessings of freedom. So never give up. But we know that mankind has never been free from trouble and trial. And the world we see today is one of daily trouble. We get a daily dose of lies and corruption and violence and other horrible sins. And we may wonder, well, just what's next? And what is the cause of all this? And how does the eternal, our God, view this? In Psalm chapter 14, we see a, you know, there's a cause for every effect. In verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that does good. There is no fear of God in, in, in various places. There's, they, uh, they say there is just no higher power. And so in verse 2, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. We are called to this moment in time, to this place, to this church, to a, a life because we seek God. We want to understand His way. But in verse 3, in looking down upon, from heaven upon the children of men, He said, They are all gone aside they are all together become filthy there is none that does good no not one and it pains many of us to see people who are going the wrong way and people who are suffering as a result of of that waywardness second timothy uh, verse one through five familiar scripture we see uh, we read this uh, a lot of times this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come verse 2 men shall be lovers of their own selves and it gives you know the various uh, things without natural affection verse 3 They are truth breakers accusers incontinent fierce despisers of those that are good traitors heady high-minded lovers of pleasure more than lovers of god Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So these characteristics of our time today are to be shunned to never do. So that's how God sees all of this. but He has looked down and found some, some worth in each and every one of us. Second Corinthians 11 the apostle, he was the apostle to the Gentiles, and he was beaten by the Jews who who wanted nothing to do with strangers. He said of the Jews, verse 24, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeying, often, you know, not every road that Paul went down was safe from bandits and so on. And he was constantly on the move in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of his own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. So in our life, we take what Paul has said about his life, when he could have quit, when he could have given it up. But here he tells how he uh, hung on. Today it may be hard, of course, to identify with the trials that the early apostles and early Christians had. We're pretty fortunate for right now. But Paul is reminding us of his steadfastness in Christ. Steadfastness. When we think of giving in, you know, we look to the examples of others, those among us who have overcome and can help show us the way. Many in here have, have lost loved ones and have abounded because they are an example of Christ in them, knowing that, you know, there is a future that is to come. When we think of giving in, we look to their examples. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm trying to, uh, I'll try to wrap this up here pretty quick. Give me another hour. Hebrews 12. It says to make straight paths for your feet. And it says that no. now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are Exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. It takes time for healing, especially when you've, you've hurt your knee and you're walking on uneven ground. And you're trying to tra- chase a puppy that has gone across the fence, and is mixing around with the sheep. And I felt like uh, some of you probably don't know who, who uh, Chester Good is, or or Amos McCoy is, or Sanford Fred Sanford is. You know how they limped around. So I was limping around, and uh, I got this sudden pain in my knee. I was getting out of the car, and uh, I tweaked it somehow. And I thought, well, it's just a little tweak; it's not going to hurt. It, it'll go away. But the next day, I could barely walk. And uh, today, I'm standing on mostly one leg. <laughs> oh, and sometimes that pain shoots up my knee, just just like it did then. <laughs> that was my thunder. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. We have certain weaknesses in our life. So we have to make sure we have a straight path because if not, you know, we could be turned out of the way. We do this by being steadfast in the faith, by being steadfast in the truth, by being steadfast in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So be steadfast. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Watch ye stand fast in the faith, first Corinthians sixteen, thirteen. And remember, he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians one six. So be steadfast in the Lord. That's it says in Philippians four one, rooted and built up in Jesus Christ. Colossians two seven. I'm just going to refer to Psalms thirty seven so that I can uh, don't have to wait too long here. Just one verse from there, it says, To fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be you envious against the workers of iniquity, for they soon will be cut down. tells us to cease from anger and that the meek shall inherit the earth. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, I read this about the cloud of witnesses and looking unto Jesus. In Galatians 5, we're not to give in to trials or go back to those things that are sinful, things that we turn from. But we're to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Second Peter 1, we need to give diligence to these things. Verse uh, 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according to his divine power, has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. This is what we need to believe. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Verse four, we're given exceeding great and precious promises. Verse five, and beside this, we're to give all diligence, add to our faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience and godliness. So we can read the rest of that. It goes all the way down to uh, uh, verse twelve, and he said, "Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth." So you know when uh, the ministers and all get up here that we. You know, we talk about the same scriptures, the same words, and we don't want to be negligent to let you know that we need to be steadfast in the faith. The Apostle Paul said that when the time came, he said, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, <coughs> the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. <coughs> I shall close with this one scripture, in, first, in 2 Peter 1, verse 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren... Give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall.